the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This program is sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. There's a message true and glad for the sinful and the sad. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. It will give them courage new. It will help them to be true. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Redeeming the Time. I'm your host, Chris Macy. And I'm the minister here with the North Valley Church of Christ. Well, this past Sunday, I had a lesson, and it's something that I heard an elder from the church speak on once, and I liked it a lot. It's a two-part lesson, and it's really kind of going over some simple things, but they're things that we ought to be reminded of every once in a while. And it starts off, by with this reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9, where Paul writes, Therefore we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. Be pleasing to God. I, I, I'm... I like this, uh, I like this passage here, obviously this verse, but that's, that should be the goal of every Christian. And so this series of two lessons is titled, Our Shared Goals. You know, what is it that we are striving for? Let's start with this illustration, a football illustration. It's a, from a time when Michigan State, they were playing UCLA in football. The score was tied 14-14. There was only a couple of seconds left uh, to play. Well, not just a couple of, several seconds left to play. And the Michigan State coach sent in uh, a place kicker, Dave Kaiser. And he kicked in a field goal that won the game. When the kicker came back to the bench, the coach said, you you did a good job, nice going. But why didn't you not watch the ball after you kicked it, the coach liked for the player to keep their eye on the ball. Even after they kick it, watch it go all the way until it gets worse going. Well, the kicker replied, Coach, I, I was watching the referee to see the signal he gave because I forgot my contact lenses and I couldn't see the goalposts. Now, he wasn't talking about the, the, the referees down by the goalpost. He's talking about the one that, near him. So he looked off to the side. It was obvious he wasn't watching. He forgot. He couldn't see where he was kicking. How happy do you think that coach was that the kicker couldn't see the goal? Whether we are talking about football or life, it is always best to see and to know the goal we are trying to reach. How can we please God if we don't remind ourselves about God's expectations for us? How can we move forward together and hold each other accountable if we don't review what we are about every once in a while? <clears throat> Excuse me. What I what I will be doing today in in the next one of this. Uh, I think we're going to 
talk about this in a couple of weeks from here. I want us to briefly touch on 12 shared goals. And we're going to look at six of them today. And not next recording uh, of the program here, but the, the following, so about two weeks from now. And these goals are, you know, they're not a perfect list. But I, I hope that they are organized in a way where that it will help us to direct our hearts and to live toward God in a pleasing way and be faithful, more faithful to Him. And of course, there's no specific right order to them, but I think they're set up in a way that they, you can see how they connect to one another. And they, there's a lot of, they're not a lot, but there's overlapping there. And I want us to be able to see that. So let's, <clears throat> let's get started. And the first one is a logical and, a, and it's an important place for us to begin with the goal of believing wholeheartedly. Believing wholeheartedly. Here's the verses. We have for this one. It's Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Hopefully you know this verse well. The verse says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And also Hebrews 11, verse 6, so a few verses down, where it says, And without faith it is impossible to please him, to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Faith is the primary and foundational response that God is looking for from us. Without faith, we cannot be saved, nor can we lead a life that pleases God. The words faith and belief, <coughs> excuse me, the words faith and belief are often used interchangeably, and, and, and rightly so. Uh, I, I I like to use the word trust at times because it expresses an activity, doesn't it, that is beyond merely something we think. Ultimately, faith is something we must do and we must live. I like the word wholeheartedly to modify the word believe because it expresses the depth and the, and the breadth of faith that God requires. Wholeheartedly conveys the all-in uh, completeness of our commitment and belief. You know, nine years ago, uh, this back was that 2012. Uh, this fellow walked across the Niagara Falls. He did it on a tightrope. He was the first person to walk on a tightrope 1,800 feet across the the foggy brink of that roaring Niagara Falls. Uh, there was a dozen other um, <coughs> tightrope artists that had crossed the Niagara downstream, including uh, Blondin. I don't know, maybe you've heard of that guy, but he's he did it back in 1859. But no one had walked directly over the falls, and uh, they hadn't allowed any tightrope acts in the area since 1896. Now, in 1859, Blondin, he went to the Niagara Falls, and uh, he put on a three-day show. They stretched that steel cable across the gorge, and he performed that without a safety net. Even in strong winds, he walked across that. Could you imagine doing that? Oh, I couldn't do that. He walked across it. He ran across it. He literally danced across it <laughs> and the, to the amazement and delight of the crowd. Amazing. And then he took a wheelbarrow, filled it with bricks, and effortlessly pushed it across across that 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 rope course uh, across the I'm mean, not course but a rope across the gorge he did, he took it to one side and then he brought it to the other side 
Then he turned around to the crowd and he asked them this question. How many of you believe that I could push this wheelbarrow across with a man in it? Of course, you know, the vote of the crowd was unanimous. Everyone cheered and held their hands up high. Then he asked, okay, who will step forward and get in the wheelbarrow? No one did. No one. It is one thing to say you believe the tightroper can do it. It's something else to trust him with your life. Now, I'm not saying that it is wrong to doubt a tightrope walker, okay? But a person cannot say they believe unless they are willing to trust. When you talk about believing wholeheartedly, we are not talking about just an intellectual belief that there is a God and the Bible is his word. We are talking about believing in him enough and trusting in him enough to obey his word, to put it into action and to trust our whole life with God. Believing wholeheartedly will lead us to try to reach toward all the other goals that you and I share. Here's number two. When we believe wholeheartedly in the Lord, worship will come naturally. And we will want to worship God regularly. So worship regularly. Now the word worship, that is a tricky word for us. Um, There's many aspects to obeying God's command to worship him. It certainly includes what we are doing uh, on Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, Wednesday nights. Uh, Well, maybe not not Wednesday nights. Wednesday nights is a Bible study. But it is a form of worship. Um, When we gather as fellow believers, uh, I'm talking about on Sunday mornings, you know, you have the song, the prayer, preaching, giving, the observance of the Lord's Supper. And this aspect of worship, sometimes we call it the corporate worship. That's extremely important. It cannot be overemphasized. Okay. Now, I, I want to give us the verses for this. That you're, you probably already know where I'm going to go. Hebrews chapter 10, 24 and 25, where uh, the Hebrew writer writes, And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more, as you see the day drawing near. So, the writer here points out a bad habit that some people, you know, uh, some people he knew had fallen into. Uh, They had the habit of skipping the gathering of the church for worship. So the writer pleaded with his readers to not fall into that habit. Rather, (coughs) there I go again. Rather, he wanted them to be in the habit of gathering to encourage each other and to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. It is very difficult for any of us to keep growing in Christ and to stay spiritually strong if we stop gathering regularly for worship. So, you know, Satan and his traps and his uh, temptations are just too strong for us by ourselves. That's why we need one another. That's why we need to 
keep meeting together. I love this story. It's a, it's a story of a certain member of the church who had previously been uh, very involved and regular in attendance and stopped meeting with the congregation. But you know, he stopped meeting with the congregation. Something happened. He just one day wasn't there anymore. After a number of weeks, an elder decided to visit with this man. It was a chilly evening. The elder found the man home alone, sitting there by a, a blazing fire. Obviously, the man uh, could guess the reason for the visit from the elder, so he welcomed him in, led him to a big chair near the fireplace, and the two sat there uh, by the fire. And they sat in silence, looking at the fire. After a few minutes, the elder took the fire tongs and carefully removed a brightly burning log. And he placed it to the side of the hearth, all alone, and then he sat back in his chair. Now, the homeowner sat in quiet fascination as the one lone log's flame began to diminish and diminish until soon the fire was out on that log. It became, it became cold and lifeless. Just before the elder left, he picked up the cold, flameless log and placed it back in the middle of the fire. Immediately, it began to glow once more with the light and the warmth of the burning coals around it. As the elder reached the door to leave, the host said, Thank you very much for your visit and for the lesson. I'll be back to church for worship on Sunday. We are just like that log. Our flame will grow cold without the warmth of gathering with the church for worship. But we would fall short of the worship God wants for us if we just defined worship as what we do together on Sunday mornings. So if we are trying to make it our goal to please the Lord, then worshiping regularly with our brothers and sisters in Christ on Sunday mornings is absolutely necessary. But it is supposed to be the launching point for the minute-by-minute minute worship we offer God through the living sacrifice of our lives. Okay, the third shared goal uh, closely, uh, linked closely with our regular worship, is devoted fellowship. Devoted fellowship. I like uh, the the verse in Acts chapter two, verses forty two to forty seven. It shows devoted fellowship in action. It says they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common, and they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all, as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. 
In that passage, we see the early church living in community, and they are devoted to one another, aren't they? They share with each other. They are together regularly, and they love to eat together. So, just what is fellowship, then? Well, we often use the term rather loosely, and it sometimes has lost its intended meaning. Christian fellowship includes eating together, yes, but it's much more than that, isn't it? Christian fellowship includes socializing, but it's much more than that. You, you can get socializing in a lot of places. Fellowship is the expression of genuine Christianity among the members of God's family. It affirms a new reality. God has called us into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. We are drawn into relationship with God and participate in a unique fellowship with him, a fellowship that is one for us by the blood of Christ. And because others are also in Christ, we experience the unique relationship of fellowship with them. Also, through our fellowship with Christ, um, and ultimately, fellowship is a union, a oneness, a kinship, uh, the closest of relationships with God and with his people. And this fellowship is something to be experienced and something to be lived. It is something to be treasured and, and enjoyed. It is something that is both a privilege and a responsibility. God wants us to be devoted to the fellowship with him and with his people and the church as a whole. It needs to be a full aspect of our lives. A fourth shared goal is to serve willingly. It is, it is God's will that each of us develop a heart of a servant. We're not saved by our works, but we are definitely created to do good works, Ephesians 2.10. I like what Peter says in 1 Peter 4.10 and 11. He, he expresses this shared goal that we should embrace when he says, As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I like how Peter communicates so simply and clearly that God has given each of us different gifts and abilities, and that God's grace is administered in many different ways of serving. Now, Paul communicates the same idea over in Romans 12, starting with verse 4, where he writes, For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly, if prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Paul emphasizes diversity 
of gifts and functions, just like Peter did. And then Paul says that we belong to each other, and we need one another. And he concludes with the admonition to simply serve with a, with a gusto and, and what kind of service a person is suited for. We learn from all this that God has uniquely gifted each one of us for service, and, he, and his desire, uh, or God's desires us to willingly use those gifts for the good of others. Like the ten-talent man, some of us have many talents, while others might, of us might, you know, might be the one-talent man. In the end, the important question isn't how many talents we have, but how faithfully and willingly are we serving with that, uh, the talents we have been given. If we want to please God, then we will be striving toward the goal of serving willingly. A fifth shared goal is to pray fervently. I like Colossians 4 too. Devote yourselves to prayer keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Over in James chapter 5, verse 16, the, the second half of verse 16, the King James Version says it like this, the effectual, servant, uh, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The same verse in the NIV, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Prayer is powerful and effective and availeth much because God is powerful and wise and answers our prayers. I'm thankful for the faithful, fervent prayers that we have here at North Valley. North Valley is a people that is devoted to praying for one another, for our country, and for the world. So I thank God for the way he has answered the prayers of this congregation in the past and the way he will answer our prayers in the future. So I encourage everyone to continue to fervently pray without ceasing. And the final shared goal for us today is to give generously. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always, having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. God wants us to give generously, doesn't he? Because that is what is best for us and is best for the efforts we are giving toward. But as we learn to give generously, it is also important that we are giving cheerfully. If we are giving generously but are not giving cheerfully, then some of the blessing is lost. And, I, and actually, we probably shouldn't be giving at all because we're giving with wrong motives and the wrong heart. Jesus said it best when he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And he knows what he's talking about. God is pleased when we give cheerfully and generously. And so I'm thankful for the faithful and generous giving of North Valley here. I've, I've witnessed it for 12 years. We have accomplished many things through the generous and faithful giving of many folks. And I hope, <coughs> I hope that you're encouraged. I hope that you're challenged by these uh, six shared goals that we have discussed today. We've got six more to look at. God wants us to strive toward these things. So here it is again. These are the first six. Believe wholeheartedly. Worship regularly. Be devoted to fellowship. Serve willingly. Pray 
fervently. Give generously. And I would encourage each of us to do a personal inventory and ask ourselves, how well are we achieving these goals in our lives? And I would encourage us, each of us, to concentrate on growing in each one of these things. Now, I want I want us to approach these like, you, you know the comic strip, Peanuts, pop, you surely you do. Most popular comic strip ever, isn't it? I, I think it is. And I, I want us to, to approach it like Charlie Brown. In the comic strip, uh, Charlie Brown is showing he's batting, he's strike two, strike three, strike, you know, he's out. He has struck out again, he slumps down, and he goes over to the player's bench, and he says, rats, I'll never be a big league hitter. I just don't have it. All my life I've dreamed of playing in the big leagues, but I know I'll never make it. Lucy turns to console him and says, Charlie Brown, you're thinking too far ahead. What you need to do is set yourself more immediate goals. Lucy's right, isn't she? More immediate goals. So Charlie Brown looks up and he asks, immediate goals? And Lucy responds, yes. Start with this next inning. When you go out to pitch, see if you can walk out to the mound without falling down. Now, kind of mean, but that's Lucy. But she's right, isn't she? She's right. As we take steps toward embodying these shared goals, maybe we need to start with baby steps. We all have to start somewhere. You know, where we're at, I should say, where, where we are, and, and grow little by little each day by small steps in order to get where God wants us to be. In our Exodus class here at North Valley on Sunday morning, we were looking at Exodus chapter 16, and we wondered, you know, why doesn't God punish them for breaking his rules right off the bat, like we see later on in the book? Because they're just babies and you you cuddle a baby you don't spank the baby you spank the toddler and as you get older because they're growing up and they ought to know better and so God's going to work with us where we're at and as long as we are trying that's all he asks just try grow in these things and God will be with you he will fill in the gap well we're running out of time so I need to close things up but I thank you for being here with me And I hope over the next couple of weeks you'll stick with me as we look over these shared goals. Thank you, and God bless. Sitting up to sweep away till she'll done the better day. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Till the sinful world be won for Jehovah's mighty son. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. This program was sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. Be sure to check out the podcast for this program on FamilyValuesRadio1010.com. To find it, just go to the website and click on the podcast link at the top of the page. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.